you want to give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're going to need help if you want to make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi everyone, welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink, and joining me as guest host today is our producer, Lisa Pruden. Hi everyone. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we are a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories about how these funds help strengthen our community, because it's good to be well endowed. Today, we are pleased to bring you the last installment of our Vital Topic series for 2020, all about millennials. That's right. We've talked about millennials and money, how millennials approach activism and engagement, and last time we explored how technology shapes the day-to-day lives of millennials. Today, we're going to find out about some of the trends the millennials are setting. Now, we know we're interrupting our Trailhead series again. Sorry about that. But our vital topic on millennial trends was published earlier this month, and we really wanted to talk about it while it was still fresh off the press. We'll return to the Trailhead series for our next episode. So, Elizabeth, for any of our listeners out there who haven't heard about Vital Signs yet, can you tell us about this initiative? I live and breed Vital Signs, so yes, I can. Vital Signs and Vital Topics are a look at issues that affect Edmonton, and uh, we release them quarterly inside the Legacy in Action magazine, as well as one big report in October called Vital Signs. This year, we took a deep look into the millennial generation and how they're changing the way our world works. So when we were researching this topic, we found out that millennials are creating some interesting trends. One of my favorites was hearing about splurgetting, which is a thing that I definitely do. Can you talk a little more about splurgetting? What exactly is that? Uh, Yeah, so it's, or at least I think, (laughs) it's when you budget for special experiences or bucket list items. So for me, it's, uh, it shows up when I travel. Sometimes I like to be really frugal about accommodations and not buying souvenirs or doing anything. Um, And that way I can splurge on dining experiences like something special like a chef's tasting. That's that's what splurgetting is for me, and I loves it. Um, what was one of your favorite trends, Elizabeth? Uh, I think for me, and remember, I'm not a millennial, uh, but for what, me, one of the things that stood out is that millennials drink less than other age cohorts. That's drinking alcohol. And when they do, they do it for the love of the drink. Uh, they want to know all about the product, where and how it was made, and they also tend to choose local over mass-produced. It's the full experience they want, and they want to share it. So drinking local spirits is an Instagrammable moment. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's neat to um, have this trend towards wanting that local connection and that sense of community building, even in our more transactional ways of being. I think that that's something that millennials do well. I love it. Out of all of our millennial topics this year, I deeply related with many of the stats that we uncovered for the trend. And I'm not alone. Here's our millennial correspondent, Emily Rendell-Watson, with more. A trend is something that's hip or popular at a certain point in time. For millennials, social and economic trends affect how we travel, buy clothing, eat, drink, shop, and way more. 
Things like choosing to buy secondhand, glamping in yurts or treehouses, and shopping online. The last topic in the Vital Signs series explores some of the most popular trends among millennials, and I have two phenomenal Edmonton women lined up for you to break them down. Up first is Kim Wynn. She's a plant stylist at Botanical, a shop in Northwest Edmonton that offers a curated collection of plants and plant accessories. Hey, Kim, how are you? Pretty good, Emily. How are you? Good. Okay, so before we dive in, obviously we're doing this virtually because of the pandemic, but we're actually chatting with you from the Botanical shop, which is beautiful, Mm -hmm. but where are we reaching you? Yeah, so you might notice that I'm a little echoey because the girls at the plant loft right now are unpacking all the plant boxes. Our new inventory just came in, so I'm actually in the bathroom uh, sitting on the toilet just to get some peace and quiet. (laughs) Well, for anyone listening who is a Botanical fan, you know that Thursdays are a big day for the people who tune into the weekly Instagram live. So definitely going to ask you more about that. But I'm a big plant fan. You know, lots of people who are millennials are big plant fans. But I wanted to ask you, what do you love about plants? Why do you work at a plant shop? Right. So there's so many different answers for that. I mean, you know, everybody loves plants for different reasons. For me, it was a way to escape a very stressful job. I first got into plants like a few years ago. I would say it's been six or seven years ago now when this plant trend has really started to ramp up. I was at a very stressful job, worked really early mornings. I worked in broadcasting, so it was a very fast paced and I didn't really have time to slow down until I got home. My mom is a horticulturist at the University of Alberta. She works in agriculture and forestry. So I always had plants around the house uh, growing up and I'd always go to greenhouses with my mom. But until I got into like my late 20s, that's when I realized like, oh my gosh, like green thumb runs in the family. Like the greenery makes me feel good. It, it de-stresses me. When I come home, I feel like I'm on vacation. And that's kind of how I got into it and kind of the start of this whole plant trend in my life. So at Botanifal, how popular are the plants that you're selling with millennials in particular? Like I imagine you're doing obviously a lot of online sales right now, but do you have an idea of kind of the demographic who are really into plants right now? For sure. So back in the day when we used to talk about plants, you know, you would think about these crazy plant ladies from the 70s and they would have the macrame and, you know, the big Boston ferns. So that's what, you know, the plant life kind of looked like. Now for us, I see teenagers, like 16, 17 year olds decorating their rooms. And then even, you know, once they get into college, they continue that into their dorm room. And so it can range anywhere from as young as 16, 17 years old to adults who are 50. But I think the age bracket that I'm in, so I'm 31, huge with us because we're starting to buy our own homes. We have our own condos. Um, We really were trying to nest, basically domesticate, right? So Mm -hmm. I, I see a lot of women and men, mostly women though, my age, trying to get into the jungle life because they want like a really nice home, something that feels like, you know, you're on vacation. So a little paradise away from work. Totally true. I definitely feel like that now that I'm 
working from home full time. Do you think that the pandemic has heightened that interest in plans? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like once like the height of COVID was happening back in March, you know, it took us a couple of weeks to really get the online shop going because, you know, all of a sudden it was like, we were just, we were for the longest time, we were just selling plants in store. And then all of a sudden we had to adjust to this pandemic where people couldn't come into our shop and pick out their own plant. So once that started happening, we had to close shop we took photos of all of the inventory. And at first the photos didn't look good because we were just like trying to get this online shop up and running, right? Once we launched our online shop, we were seeing such a huge spike in sales. Like it was insane. You know, we would go from, yeah, like around six or $700 a day, which was kind of a typical day at Botanifal. All of a sudden we were making like six, seven grand a day from just plants. Yeah, it was insane. The hugest part of that is just because people were, like you said, like yourself, you were working from home. You know, you couldn't really go anywhere. You couldn't go into a plant shop. You couldn't go out to restaurants and have brunch with your friends. So you needed that kind of little escape. And so bringing plants into your home office or like your den really made a difference. And I think people really saw that. Yeah, the the pandemic was was a huge part of this spike in online sales uh, for us, at least here at Botanifal. Mm-hmm, totally. One of the other things I noticed is in just like talking to people about plants is there are a lot of plants that are very popular and very sought after. Mm-hmm. What are some of those most popular plants or kind of like rare sought after ones? Oh, rare. Okay. Okay. So popular and rare are are kind of different here at Botanifal. So popular, I would say a lot of the vining plants, so pothos and philodendron. If you're looking for that jungle look and you want, you know, immediate gratification because vines are such a vigorous grower, so you get that jungle look right away. I would say that all, all of our vining varieties pothos and philodendron. Those are super popular. Now, the sought after ones are the ones that we rarely get in store, but our wish list, like customers who put in their entries for these particular plants are super long. String of hearts, variegated. So that's a very rare one that everybody wants. Uh, Cebu blue, which is a, a beautiful philodendron and it's got like this really nice aquamarine sheen to it. That is really popular. Another one would be the variegated monstera. It's like, what is it called? It's called the Thai constellation. The monstera, you know, monstera deliciosa, the one with the uh, split leaf that everybody has, that everybody loves. So there's a variety of that that has a white variegation. So some leaves come out completely like pure snow white. Some of them come out half green and half white. And really that's like, that's probably the one of the most sought after plants that we get asked constantly. Are you ever going to have that in store? Do you think you could put me on the wish list? Like, yes, we can. But the wish list is like a million names long. So <laughs> that's like, it's, uh, that's, yeah, one of the most sought after plants that I would say here at Botanifal. <laughs> okay. And a lot of the times I notice, like when I've tuned into your Instagram lives every week, that people are asking questions about like some of those plants or, you know, like, are you going to get any more of this in? For the Instagram lives that you do every week, 
How do they work? Where did you get the idea to do that and reach people through social media in that way in particular? So social media has been a huge part in the popularity of plants, I think. So the reason why I had used Instagram especially, I mean, we use Facebook and all the other stuff, but Instagram especially because I think people like to watch unboxings. I notice a lot of like vlogs on YouTube, you know, kids unboxing their toys and rating toys and whatnot. And I'm like, well, you know what? I bet you anything, if we do this, even if just a couple of people watch, we can make it informative. We can make it fun. Like it's almost like a Christmas for plant parents every week type of thing. You know, to some people that might sound boring, like, okay, just a couple of girls, just like with their box cutters, opening these plants and talking about these plants. But amazingly, even just the first week we did it, People were going into the comment section and being like, oh my God, this is so fun. I love watching you. It's like a nice lunch break because, you know, they're at home, they're working from home, they're not in an office. So this was kind of a way for them to interact with us live and we can just show them all the product that comes in. And it's really exciting for people. Like not everyone, of course, not everyone, but I do think that a lot of plant parents, they really enjoy these lives. And one of my coworkers here, me and Grace, we kind of host it together and we bonded over these plants. And so we have this, a really good friendship. And I think people see that too. And it's just like watching a couple of girlfriends talk about their new plants. So, and one of the things that you do that I love when you do these lives is you actually give tips in terms of like styling the plants or where you could maybe put the plant. So I'm wondering a lot of millennials are kind of at the point where maybe they're you know, moving into a new house and they're working on setting up an outdoor space they really enjoy being in. Can you share some tips on how to do that? And then also maybe some tips about how to integrate plants in smaller spaces like condos for maybe the younger end of millennials who aren't quite there yet? For sure, for sure. Styling plants, I mean, it it all depends on what your aesthetic is, right? But no matter what stage you are in terms of being a plant parent, you always, always have to look at your environment first. So if you want that tropical look and you want like a giant bird of paradise, but you don't have a south facing window and you barely get any light, well, that's not going to work. Or perhaps where you want to put plants, there's like a heating vent or an AC unit and that's not going to work either. So you always have to look at your environment first before going out and purchasing a plant because I'm sure you and a lot of plant parent or beginner plant parents out there you look at an Instagram post and you're like oh my gosh I really want my bedroom or my living room to look like that but it's like well if you don't have the lighting requirements you, you can't have the same look so a lot of people they come into our plant shop and they're like well I want this fiddle leaf I'm like well what kind of lighting uh, do you have first and they're like oh I'm not too sure I'm not going to sell you a fiddle leaf if you have a north facing window. That's just simply not going to work. So always look at your environment first. Second of all, this is a huge pet peeve of mine when people become plant hoarders. So if you ever look at the Edmonton Plant Club Facebook group, sometimes people will post photos and it's just like a jungle and you can't walk anywhere. Plants are on the floor. They're like on the coffee table. It's so disorganized. So for me, the second thing to make sure is you have the space. Do you have the space for it? If you don't have the space for it, consider putting up shelving shelving and like going vertical. So hanging plants on top, 
putting it on the shelves? Do you have enough space in this corner? Because plants can take up a lot of real estate. So you want to be able to figure out if you have the space for it or not. So I'm a really organized person, even though I would consider my house to be a jungle. It's a very organized jungle. So <laughs> I really have to stress that it shouldn't make you feel overwhelmed when you come home. It just should feel like an oasis. And third, are you going to be able to care for these plants, right? So for beginners, I would say go for the easier ones. So if you are looking for like a mid-century modern look, go for snake plants. Snake plants are indestructible. You will not kill them. You can leave them in a very shady corner and they come in different sizes, different patterns, different colors. So go for like snake plants because they are indestructible. Well, thank you so much for this. Hopefully it's not a trend that ever goes away. <laughs> I hope not. And it shouldn't. And it shouldn't. I mean, plants have always been around. They're only gaining popularity because of social media and people posting, you know, photos of their bedroom and photos of their living room, but they've always been around. So I don't think it's going to go away. It might die down a little bit on social media, but I think everybody's just at least going to have a bit of greenery in their lives. That was Kim Wynn. She's a plant stylist at Botanical. She's also the friendly face that you might recognize from the regular Instagram lives, which if you haven't caught, please tune in. They're lots of fun. Now, Linda Huang is an Edmonton expert in quite a few areas. She's also a social media guru, travel and dining enthusiast, and blogger extraordinaire. That's why I thought she'd be the perfect millennial to get us up to speed on those trends. But I'll let her share more about what she does. I think I have multiple hats. <laughs> so I'm a full-time blogger at this point, blogger, social media person, content creator, the eye rolly influencer, but it does pay my bills. <laughs> and I'm also a social media strategist. So I work with different companies on social media strategy and training and consulting and planning and that sort of thing. And then I'm kind of like anything that I sort of want to be. So if I have an idea for a project, I do it. <laughs> so I'm the founder of the Edmonton Cat Festival. I love cats. I do, I'm sort of a tour guide because I do Instagrammable wall walks and food tours. I'm multiple things, but it's all sort of, or it has a start in digital social media related work. Okay. Yeah. So lots of different hats. <laughs> and like you're saying, travel and dining food are two of the things that you write about and yeah. are also two of the trends that were identified by this year's Vital Science Report on millennials. So why do you think those two things, food, travel, have become so popular among our generation? <laughs> you know, honestly, I do truly think, well, and I like to have a caveat that I, I don't think that I speak for all millennials. <laughs> From my perspective, I, I would credit social media and people being on their phones and being on Instagram and kind of watching other people sharing about their lives as a driving force to, 
you know, inspiring other people to sort of live, live a similar life. So I feel like because so many millennials are logged on and, you know, we do see where someone's having dinner or where they're going for lunch or where they're traveling, that it does sort of stroke this fire to kind of get us to to do the same. So I would think that's part of it. I mean, for me, I definitely value experiences over material items. So most of, you know, the money that I I spend on myself is about getting a nice experience, whether that's a nice night out or a nice you know, vacation or a nice weekend trip. So I wonder, or I I often think about, you know, I see other people going here and there or other people see me going here and there. I try to squeeze in experiences in a weekend or a day trip and then I share about it. And then, you know, I think that's sort of been a shift. Like I don't feel like the vacation needs to be this two week long excursion far away. There's so many things that you could be doing as a mini staycation or a mini vacation just all around you. And I feel like a lot of that is driven by what I see or what I share on social media that gets me thinking, oh yeah, you know, I could just pop out there. It's only an hour away. And then it does feel like it's still this trip that I've taken. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting because <laughs> one of the findings for travel show that millennials like these micro trips. So, you know, several smaller trips each year as opposed to splurging necessarily on just one big trip. Mm-hmm. So how do you reflect that in your blog and what you write about? Yeah, you know, I try my blogs really, I think the focus has sort of changed certainly over the years the blog sort of in its current form I've probably been doing for the last 10 years but I've been blogging since I was 12 (laughs) and yeah and but it's always just I, I would say from 12 to like 20 I was just blogging about whatever things that interested me And then probably 20 till now, I'm 31 now. (laughs) It sort of shifted more to like, what would readers, what would my audience, what do people who are following this blog want to read? And a lot of it, I think, follows what I would like to read or what I would like to know. But I do find what people really like. I think more about what people want when I decide what I'm going to write about and what I have found over the years is that people want travel guides, they want recommendations on where to eat, they want recommendations on where to stay. Like even over five years ago, I was doing more restaurant reviews, like individual restaurant reviews. But I found, you know, even then, they sort of prefer you know, one restaurant's great, but what about a few restaurants in this area? Uh, So yeah, so it's sort of, I think, just trying to find what would be useful for people. And I think what I've found is I'm blogging about, you know, tips and recommendations that are useful for people around how, you know, to add more experiences to their life. My most popular you know, posts are usually around here's an itinerary that you can do in this neighborhood or here's three shops that you can explore in this town. So I think just contributing to that idea of how can I make it easier for people to, I guess, live live their life in a, you know, fun and still meaningful way. But also for many, I do have a very local focus. I do think that my like Edmonton, Edmonton area and Alberta content tends to do a lot 
better because people do want to, you know, know where what to buy, where to go, where to explore, what to support locally, like around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that focus on local for sure is definitely that comes up when it comes to food and it comes to travel too. Like, I think there is a shift and, you know, you don't need to necessarily, of course, like I'd love to go to Italy, but you don't need to go to like Italy or France or, you know, these really exciting countries to find something that you can explore. Like you can do that in your own backyard, in your own province. And that's something that especially right now is really important to be able to do. Absolutely. You know, I feel like over the years, eating local and shopping local and exploring local has always been discussed, but certainly in the last year with the pandemic, it's never, I don't think it's ever rung truer. And in a way it's because people have to, <laughs> but, but that's okay. Cause there's so, there's so many unique experiences that are right here that I think people are getting more excited about trying on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I want to talk about food and dining on your blog as well. And I think many would consider you like an Edmonton food expert. So what do you love about local food? Honestly, part of it for me, I do eat out a lot. And I think millennials do tend to eat out or order in more so than than probably our predecessors. I mean, I think a lot of the themes go back to like, what's more convenient? I prefer when someone cooks for me and, you know, I like to cook, but uh, I let's let an expert do it. (laughs) So really that's one of the driving factors for me is I just, you know, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to have like two or three hours of prep and then clean up and that sort of thing. So I eat out a lot. Well, when it started, probably it was more about not having to cook and clean, but then it grew into, oh, you know, that's really cool that I'm supporting this small business owner, or that's really cool that this chef is coming out to say hi and thank, you know, us for dining there. Or I think it's another way to sort of show what new dishes or new ingredients there are that maybe I could use at home when I am cooking at home. So yeah, so there's a bit of discovery. There's a bit of that supporting local trend. But ultimately, I think it, it's more about busy life. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel that like you work a full-time job, side gigs, or like your full-time job is a lot of freelance related work and you work for yourself. Balancing that and then thinking about like coming home or being at home and like cooking a meal at the end of the night, please just order me food. <laughs> In the Vital Signs report, it talks about millennials wanting to know the story behind the alcohol they drink, you know, that finding unique flavors and supporting local, whether that's craft beer or spirits. And I honestly think the same thing applies to food. And when you think about writing about local food on your blog, what is it about that story behind the food that's so important and that draws millennials in? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's like if it makes the food or the place that's serving the food feel more relatable. I think the posts about food or restaurants on my blog that end up doing quite well is when I actually do dive into, you know, and this is their family recipe or, you know, he or this person grew up and their grandma, you know, was always cooking and that inspired them. So yeah, so so having that kind of behind the scenes and it's interesting because like anyone who goes to these restaurants could ask (laughs) could ask them for what the story is or where the chef came from or where the food came from but I think to have someone else do the work for you which goes back to the convenience thing (laughs) I do think 
if it's not just about the convenience, it is about, you know, I like knowing that this chicken came from a farm 30 minutes south of Edmonton. I do like that. So maybe there's a bit of ethics in there or there's a bit of, I do, and it does go back to the desire to support local people or real people. And I think, you know, we live right now in a time where there is so much misinformation and so many choices and so many options. It is really nice to be able to kind of shrink down into, okay, well, this food came from this area and this farmer is gonna be able to feed his family or her family because I ate here, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I think there's a little bit of, I don't know if it's responsibility, but I mean, I guess it's a little selfish is that knowing that where you spend your money is supporting the livelihood of someone. But I think that's a good type of, you know, you you want that feeling. Yeah, definitely. It just gives you that extra connection to the food and the, you know, people who are making your food that I think that for sure can make a big difference. It does go back to that desire for the experience too, right? And when you know the person's story or the chef's story or the owner's story or the farmer's story, it just adds to that. Uh, You didn't just go out for like a burger at a fast food restaurant. You had this experience or or now you have a story to tell others as well. So it it just kind of goes to that uh, desire for experiences over just a material thing. Well, we're calling them trends, but do you think that these things like food and travel are going to stay popular among the millennial population like us and generations to come? I mean, I don't see how it couldn't, like unless the you know internet doesn't exist in the future. If we're going back to what I think is such a driver for so many of these things is that We are on our phones, we're on our computers, we are sharing about our lives, we're so busy, so we want convenience. Unless those things change, which I don't feel that they'll change anytime soon. And also even the generations now below millennials that are coming up, you know, there's all sorts of new social media and there's all sorts of new ways that they're using digital. So will it be exactly the same? Probably not, but I think it'll probably still trend towards that if we're really drilling down i think whatever's driving how we're acting or what we're doing online will probably weave into whatever trends are popular at at the time or at the moment well like linda said i think some of these trends are here to stay and that's good news especially during a pandemic because it means that whether it's plants or food or even travel we'll continue to support local Thank you so much for joining me as we explored this year's vital science topic over the past couple of months. Sometimes millennials can get a bad rap, but I hope you've been able to learn about our values, motivations, how we shop even, and a whole lot more through this series. For the Well Endowed Podcast, I'm Emily Rendell Watson. Thanks so much to Emily Rendell Watson for bringing us that story. Thanks also to Kim Nguyen and Linda Huang for sharing your time with us. If you want to see everything we found about millennials and trends, we'll have a link to our vital topic in our show notes. That's where you can find out more about our guests and see the latest on our blog. And we're still providing grants from all our regular granting streams, so we'll have a link to our upcoming student awards and granting deadlines. Be sure to check out those funding opportunities. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. 
Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, be sure to share it with your friends and family. And if you have time, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews do two things. One, they help new listeners find our show. And two, they let us know how we're doing. So it's a really big help. And you can visit us on Facebook, where you can share thoughts and see some pictures. Thanks again for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Lisa Pruden. And Elizabeth Bonking. Until Until next time. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation. And is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.